Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter 2. There are false prophets also among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways, and because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. In their greed, they will exploit you with fabricated messages. Their condemnation announced long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but handed them over to chains of darkness by casting them into hell, to be kept under guard for judgment, and if God did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, along with seven others when he brought a flood on the world of ungodly people, and if God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by turning them into ashes when he made them an example of things to come for the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, who was very distressed by the unrestrained immorality of the wicked people, while that righteous man was living among them, he was tormented in his righteous soul day after day by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to keep the unrighteous under guard until the day of judgment in order to punish them. This is especially true of those who follow the defiling lust of the flesh and who despise authority. Daring and arrogant, they do not tremble when they blaspheme glorious beings, whereas angels, even though they are greater in strength and power, do not bring a slanderous judgment against them before the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters about which they are ignorant, just like unreasoning creatures that live by instinct and are born to be captured and destroyed. So they too will be destroyed as a consequence of their destructive activity. They will be paid back for the harm they cause." They consider it a pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes who take delight in their deceitful pleasures while they feast with you. They have eyes full of longing for adulterous women and sins that never stop. They seduce unstable souls. They have trained their hearts for greed. They are children who are cursed. They left the right way and went astray, following the path of Balaam son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He was rebuked for his disobedience. A donkey, which does not talk, spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are wells without water, clouds driven along by a windstorm, for whom the gloom of darkness has been reserved. For by uttering arrogant, empty words, they use the depraved lusts of the flesh to seduce those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. While these people, while they promise these people freedom, they themselves are slaves to corruption, for a person is a slave to what has control of him. Indeed, if after escaping the defiling things of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and controlled by them, they are worse off than they were at first. In fact, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, after knowing it, to turn back from the holy command passed on to them. They demonstrate the truth of the proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a washed sow returns to wallowing in the mud. This is the word of our God.
In Peter's second letter here on the topic, the major theme of hope, he again refers to the coming at the end of time. He refers to the um, the opposition and the false teachers that will plague the church at the end of time. He even refers to Noah and, and the, those who are saved along with Noah in Noah's Ark. And most of all, he says here that you and I, Christians today, we need not have our hope shaken by the godless false teachers who shall come, who will come, and will, who will keep on coming, that our hope does not rest in the proclamation of others, but our hope rests in the firm and unshakable word of God. And here, Peter forewarns the people of God. He gives a warning to God's church that, yes, these false teachers are coming. And most of all, the the major point here is that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trial, that we need not be wringing our hands. That was the paragraph um, of verses 4 through 9. If God did not spare the angels, if God did not spare the ancient world, but he preserved Noah, if God condemned Sodom and Gomorrah, yet he rescued Lot, then the Lord certainly knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to keep the unrighteous under guard until the day of judgment in order to punish them. And so there's almost this allusion backward to the clear and unchanging word of God, the word of truth that they that they had certainly with certainty given to them, that God's word says what it means and means what it says. And so the encouragement here, the the violence of language, the the structures, the threats, and the sternness, the severity with which Peter talks, to understand why he speaks this way, talking about them as brute beasts and as these clouds without rain, and that deepest destruction is waiting for them, and that they will certainly get what they deserve. To understand why Peter speaks so strongly, we have to keep in mind how plausible their imitation of Christianity certainly seemed, where they use these terms, these words that sound almost Christian. They would use these terms and these words, and especially going after the new converts, those who were just coming out of a pagan background, those who were just coming out of worshiping idolatry, those who had been first and finally instructed in the word of God after so much time away or never having heard it before, those who were at the most tender stage in the earliest growth, um, if you use the parable of, of Jesus and the sower and the seed from Matthew chapter 13 those tiny plants which were just beginning to sprout up, just beginning to grow, and those were the ones who were targeted. And they were led astray with sloppy wording. They were led astray by by catchwords, even like freedom. And he talks about that all all the way at the top at verse 3 or so, when he says, In their greed they will exploit you with fabricated messages. Their condemnation announced long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. You see the love that Peter has for his people. You see the love for his fellow Christians, that he warns them very severely, and he uses strong language to really say and point out, watch out. Watch out for those false teachers, even when they come to you with words that sound very Christian. And that's that's how false teaching works. The false teacher isn't going to walk into town with a huge sign, a neon sign over his head that says, false teacher, don't listen to me. No, he's going to come. And they, they would use... They would use words that sound very Christian. They would use words that we sound and that we use even in our own worship services. They would try to have some semblance of a rite of an order of worship, perhaps, or something that looks and sounds spiritual. Words like freedom. Yes, maybe playing on even the American obsession with freedom and trying to inject this unbiblical concept of freedom into the way that a church is supposed to run according to the gospel. Maybe using words like love or or anything, scripture, Bible apostolic, any of that. All these terms that really have to be defined. 
all these words that would very easily lead somebody astray if they weren't listening carefully. Because yes, we rejoice when there is fellowship. We rejoice when we share the same faith and the same belief as somebody else. And even in a general sense, I rejoice when I run into a Christian and they talk about how faithful they are at going to their church and how how joyful they are at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. But at the same time, even if somebody is a fellow Christian, um, if they do not believe the same thing, then that false teaching, that false belief to which they adhere is something that detracts from the glory of God and interjects guilt and doubt where there is certainty and there is lack of guilt where there is forgiveness and righteousness. And so that's why these things matter. That's why so many of our pastoral papers, you know, when we go to pastor's conferences two or three, sometimes even four times in a year, so many of the papers begin by defining our terms by saying, what do we mean when we say this? What do we mean when we say that? Because false teaching creeps in around the edges. False teaching can creep in with sloppy terminology and far be it from us. Far be it from us to simply assume that everybody is starting with the same understanding. And this isn't to say that you and I are like detectives trying to parse out the tiniest little detail that we see everywhere and trying to catch somebody in in their speech and trying to trip them up. No, but at the same time, we can be open-hearted and generous Christians who are also wise and watchful, according to what Peter says here, that we are aware of how words work, we are aware of what the words mean, and we are aware of the, the manner of speech with which we talk. And that manner of speech takes Peter seriously when he talks about these false teachers who would creep in and who would try to lead them astray, try to turn all the blessings of God and give it a little bit of a twist and turn those blessings into an excuse for sin, turn those blessings into an excuse for me to do whatever I want because that's what my heart says. No, we believe in a truth and in a faith and in a Bible that is grounded in absolute certainty, that is historically accurate, that is, yes, rational, and even supra-rational, that it is above our human reason for comprehension, but that does not mean that this Bible, this scripture, is illogical. Dear friend, you and I have certainty. You and I have certainty in this Word of God, and that means that we can look at the world around us. We can look at Second Peter, and I love Second Peter, Second Peter one, two, and three, and we can recognize the the echoes of what Peter says, you know, from nearly two thousand years ago, and we see those echoes down to our present day that his words still ring true. So, what shall we do, and how shall we act? Well, you and I don't have to wring our hands as the world seems to self-destruct around us. You and I might be troubled like Lot was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. We might be troubled by the sin that we see, by the crimes that we hear or that we experience, by the, the worries uh, that even modern history might echo and repeat itself in a, in a way that would be detrimental to God's church. But our God is not silent and our God is not sleeping. He certainly knows and he sees and he has spoken in his word. That word is trustworthy. That word is yours. That word is ours. And so what shall we do? Take a moment to pray for one another, to pray for God's church here and around the world, that God's people may continue to hold fast and hold firmly to this truth, and then to speak of it um, without, without feeling a need for argumentation, without feeling the need to argue with somebody in order to prove a point, because we're not interested in scoring points against somebody. All we are interested in is presenting the truth as God has shown in Scripture, and that is a truth that is open-hearted, yes, it is joyful, yes. It is also a truth that is well aware of the danger of falsehood and the danger of sloppy language as it gives the devil a foothold and a chance to pull people away from the faith, especially those newest to the faith. 
And so as you go about your day, just take a moment to pray for those in our fellowship, pray for Christians around the world, that they may continue to find their joy and their life in the Word of God, and that they may speak of this life that we have together. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Race with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.